Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you today on part two of the subject of managing my anger. You know, the average man will lose his temper six times a week. The average woman will lose her temper three times a week. As I think about this subject of anger, the Bible is very clear. It is better to be slow-tempered than it is to be famous. It is better to have self-control than to control an army. Well, this is part two, and if you haven't heard part number one, please tune into that broadcast. You can find that if you go to our church website, hrcc7.org, and just click on the broadcast, and you can scroll down to the message from yesterday. But Proverbs 16.32 is that great reminder to us that you ought to be slow-tempered. Now, anger is not a sin, per se. It is what we do with this anger. You see, anger that is not managed will always turn explosive, either outwardly or inwardly. And yesterday, we spent a whole lot of time talking about that word raka, where Jesus said, if you are angry at your brother without a cause, and you say raka, which means I wish you were dead because you're empty, you're vain, you're worthless to me. That word raka can, from its root meaning, to spit on somebody, right? You get so angry at them, you spit on them. That's what they did to our Savior. They were so angry at Christ, they were mocking him, and they spit on him, and they took his staff, and they struck him on the head repeatedly. You know, the great insult is being spit on by somebody, right? You've got to be pretty angry at somebody to get to that point where you spit on them. You know, anger causes a whole lot of problems in our lives. And so today, I want to talk to you about how can I manage my anger? And we're going to go through it one step at a time. As you think about managing your anger, I've got to admit to you, for a long time, I didn't manage my anger. My anger managed me. And I destroyed a whole lot of things, and and I destroyed a lot of relationships in my anger. But through the process of getting victory over my lack of control of anger, God has actually turned that into a strength. You know, God loves to do that. He loves to take what is a weakness in your life and break you in that area and turn that weakness into a strength. You know, if you break a bone and it's properly set, where that bone was broken will probably never break there again. Because as it's mended and it's put back together and as as it heals up properly, it becomes stronger than the original place in that bone where it was broken. Maybe that's your prayer today, that God will take this air of your weakness and turn it into a strength. You know how I gained victory over my anger. I said, Lord, it takes a lot of energy to be angry. I would like to take this energy that I'm wasting in anger and use it for something good. You know, God will air that prayer of yours because as long as he's glorified in that process, he'll take that weakness and turn it into strength. Well, here's some things I learned about managing anger. Number one. Never forget the results of uncontrolled anger. Remember a hot-tempered man, Proverbs 19, 22, gets into all kinds of trouble. Why? Because he makes really bad decisions. Don't quit your job when you get angry at your boss. He'll probably accept your resignation, and then you'll have all kinds of trouble. Now, Solomon warned us that there is this danger of anger. It causes one to be unteachable. Hot tempers cause arguments, Proverbs 15, 18 says. Anger causes mistakes, Proverbs 14, 29. People with hot tempers do foolish things, 
Proverbs 14, 17. Proverbs eleven twenty nine says, The fool who provokes his family to anger and to resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of a fool. Focus on a family, many years ago, did a survey of children ages 9 through 12. And they asked them two questions. What do you like most about your mother? And what do you dislike most about your mother? Although the answers to the first question were very varied, the answer to the second was not. It was unanimous. Almost every child used the phrase, I hate most my mom screaming. I can't stand it when she screams. If you don't want your mom to lose her temper with you, do what she says. If you don't want God to lose his temper with you, do what he says. You think about screaming. Why do we scream? We scream because we lose our tempers and because it works. There are short-term effects. As a matter of fact, psychologists know this, and, and they say when you yell and you get angry at somebody, most of the time people will comply just out of fear. But in the long run, you lose because anger alienates. In the long term, you lose a relationship. So as we think about managing our anger, first of all, we must remember what happens when we lose our temper. Number two is we should rehearse what we're going to say before we act. I found that when I am angry, I become very quick with my vocabulary, right? It amazes me of how sharp that tongue gets when I'm angry. But Proverbs 29, 11 says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man waits, and he lets things grow cool. In other words, just let things calm down. That's the NEB translation, okay? Proverbs 12, 16 says, When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Smart people will ignore an insult. So rehearse what you're going to say. Rehearse what you're going to do before you do it. You know, people who stay calm have real insight. That's what Proverbs 17, 27 says. When you think about battling people, somebody said this, and I don't know who said it. I'd give them credit for it if I did. Never fight a battle where you don't gain anything by winning. Know what battles to fight and know what battles aren't worth fighting. Patton had some principles for his managers, and these principles were very simple. Think before you act. Is my anger making me more assertive or more aggressive? In his book, Good and Angry, Mr. Carter distinguishes between these two types of anger, assertive and aggressive. Assertive anger puts forward one's beliefs and values in a confident, self-assured manner. You know, it's helpful and it's considerate of others. And, and when used correctly, assertiveness is a positive trait. Assertive anger seeks to put forward what a person believes to be right. However, aggressive anger is used in an abrasive way and in a very insensitive way, where there is very little concern for the impact that anger will have on the recipient. Aggressive anger is a negative trait. In other words, I don't care about the person. I'm just caring about defeating their argument. I don't care about them as a person. That's why those who know how to assertively work with their anger, 
they take that person into account. That's why when I'm debating a person, I take into account who I'm debating. Uh, you know, I will treat different people based upon where they're coming from. You know, I don't want to willingly hurt somebody. Uh, and, and sometimes if, if you're an angry person, you'll take advantage of a person in their weakness. Well, let's look at how Nehemiah responded when he was good and angry, okay? And we've got some lessons that we can learn from how he responded. We pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 5. Now, Jerusalem is in a very difficult position. Nehemiah had returned to Jerusalem from an influential position in the court of Babylon to do a survey, and, and he's trying to figure out why the walls around the city of Jerusalem were in disrepair. And let's pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 5, and I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, beginning at verse number 1. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry to protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and our vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and, and we're helpless to do anything about it. Our fields and our vineyards are already mortgaged to others. So here we discover an injustice, a major injustice. Nehemiah admitted, number one, that he was angry. Nehemiah 5.6 records his response. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was angry. Nehemiah never covered up his emotions. He acknowledged them openly and without apology. His anger started his engines and motivated him to action. And it didn't just give him something to do. He says, I'm going to do something about it. Nehemiah admitted his anger. Secondly, we learned that Nehemiah thought before he spoke. Nehemiah didn't just spout off the first thing that came into his head. He said, I pondered them in my mind, and then I accused the nobles and the officials. Have you ever spouted off and then you felt really sorry afterwards? Words that pop out of your mouth in the heat of anger are usually things we would not say if we would take the time to think about them first. Nehemiah controlled his tongue until he pondered. He planned exactly what he would do and what he would demand. This is a New Testament principle as well. James 1.19 says that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So Nehemiah admitted he was angry when he heard their outcry. Nehemiah thought before he spoke, but we also see that, that when Nehemiah confronted, he made that confrontation, but he provided a solution. You see, he wasn't just spouting out everything that was wrong. He, in his anger, decided, I'm going to give a solution. Once he thought things through, Nehemiah spoke. And we know exactly what he said in Nehemiah 5, verses 9 through 11. It says, Then I pressed 
further. He said, what are you doing here? What you're doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their homes to them this very day and repay that interest that you charged when you lent them that money and you lent them that grain and new wine and new olive oil. As we think about this, Nehemiah says, listen, I'm going to have to confront you in this thing. I think sometimes God gets us angry about something so that we will have the motivation to confront something and to provide a solution. If you have the energy, this is what my mom used to always say to me. Great statement, right? If you have the energy to be angry about something, you have the energy to do something about it. Use that energy wisely. Now, Nehemiah knew that he had scriptural support for his point of view. So he was fearless, and he confronted these influential men. He charged them with violating God's law. Now, Nehemiah is facing a situation where brothers and sisters are taxing each other with this unbelievable interest, right? He says, I can't believe you're doing this. We're all having a hard time, and those who were wealthy were taking advantage and exploiting their own family. Nehemiah knew that he had support from God's word, and so he says, you are violating God's law by charging your brother interest. You're taking advantage of him. This must stop. We see that Nehemiah not only used his anger to follow through with his desire to have a solution, but he also followed through without compromising his convictions. Sometimes we treat people of wealth and power in a different way, giving them more of a preferential treatment than we do those who have nothing. We do this because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to lose their contributions, maybe. We don't want them to retaliate. We don't want a lawsuit. But not Nehemiah. Nehemiah did not mince words. He said, what you're doing is wrong. Stop it. Give back what you've taken. You see, he stood uncompromisingly for justice. His own example put them to shame. He demanded immediate restitution. He didn't allow for any halfway measures. And what was the response from these powerful men as they're confronted by Nehemiah? They replied, we will give back everything that you demand. Nothing more for the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and I made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and I said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as he has promised. I love the imagery here. Nehemiah gathers in front of the people and he, and he shakes out his robe. And as he shakes out his robe, he says, this is a picture of what God is going to do to you. You're going to lose your property. You're going to lose your homes. He's going to shake you out if you renege on what you've promised to do. Well, we've learned so much about managing anger today. We've learned that we must remember what happens when we lose our control, when we lose anger, 
remember those results. We must rehearse what we're going to do before we act upon it, especially in times of anger. And then number three, this is a tough one, right? This is probably one of the more difficult parts of managing your your anger. You've got to restrain your remarks. Proverbs 21, 23 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. You see, blowing your stack only creates air pollution. It doesn't do a whole lot of good. A sharp tongue is the quickest way to cut your own throat. Use sweet words because you may have to eat them eventually. Watch what you say. The problem is is that words come very easily when we're angry, when that adrenaline is running. You know what? I get angry. I am brilliant in my own mind. Sometimes I think of the most sarcastic things to say, but it's going to cut myself off too. You have to watch what you say. Have you ever yelled something and immediately regretted it? Perhaps Proverbs can help us. The proverb says, if you're smart, you will restrain your words. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer quiets anger, but harsh ones stirs it up. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is patience. What do you do with all of that anger inside of you? Do you just push it down? Now, that's not healthy. When you swallow your anger, your stomach will keep score. If you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out. You'll take it out on your body with all kinds of problems. Another popular medicine for Americans is taking uh, Tums for ulcers and all these things that we struggle with. I think that has a lot to say about our, our society But when you hear the word, that burns me up, that little phrase, uh, there's actually a biochemical change in your body that takes place when you swallow your anger. It's not what you eat that is eating you uh, that makes a difference. It's what's eating you. As you think about suppressing the anger, that's not good for your health. On the other hand, we don't just express it either. Some people get angry and They go all out and they kind of vomit on people, right? Maybe they feel better, but nobody else does. Uh, It's not too good for relationships. Uh, This is uh, some psychology today that that says, vent your anger. Uh, That's a great way to destroy relationships because anger always alienates. You say, okay, so I don't stuff it. I don't suppress it. I don't express it. Well, what am I supposed to do? How do I handle this anger? Well, the Bible says you confess it. Admit it to God. Unload it on the Lord. Colossians 3.8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Put them all away from you all. So I confess it. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, for God's sake, forgave you. Well, you can have success over anger. 
I don't know who all listens to me. I, I sometimes wish I could have a picture of the people who are listening so I, I can know exactly a, a way to help my broadcast listeners. But I do know that a lot of you who have responded to me are leaders within your church, and God has placed you in a position of spiritual leadership. And I wanted to recommend a book to you that I think will really help you. Now, this is not a new book. Uh, This is an old book that was originally written in 1967. Then it was, uh, you know, the copyright says 1967, and it was reprinted again in 1980, and then again in 1994, and then again in 2007. And this is a book that was published by the Moody Bible Institute. And this book is entitled Spiritual Leadership. Uh, The author has gone on to be with the Lord many years ago, J. Oswald Sanders. And this has some principles for every believer, but it's really important for those who are in leadership positions. And I think about being a leader within the church or uh, within our community. This book will help you with some of these disciplines of being a spiritual leader. And so I want to spend the last few minutes of the broadcast just covering a couple of things that I that I learned in this particular uh, book, okay? Here are some essential qualities of leadership. I'm giving it to you straight from God's Word, and I'll make a few comments on it. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Because if anybody doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So here we discover the issue of being a leader within the church. Now, there's so many things that we could look at as we talk about these various character traits of a person who is a spiritual leader. But because of what we're talking about today, I want to look at this whole matter of one who is able to manage himself well, one who is able to control his anger, right? So how do we go about doing that? We do that understanding that God can give us the power to take a weakness and turn it into a strength. As I told you at the beginning of this broadcast, I battled with anger for many years in my life. And the way that I overcame this anger was through a series of asking God to first first of all use my energy for something creative. Anger tends to tear things apart, tends to, to destroy things. And so, so I said, now Lord, it takes a lot to destroy things, a lot of energy. It, it takes even more energy, however, to build things. It, it's easy to tear things apart. So I said, now, Lord, would you take this anger and would you transition it so that it is used for something positive, not negative? God slowly began to turn that around in my life. Another thing I learned about managing my anger is that I would constantly 
confess when I lost my anger. And I would do it immediately. I wouldn't wait. I would confess immediately. And then the Lord began to allow me to make provisions for not being angry again. And there's a third thing that I did that I think will really help you if you're battling with anger. To those people that you have lost your control, your anger with, go to those people and say, would you help me to be one who can overcome my anger? I actually asked people to pray for me. And they knew me very well. They loved me uh, and they cared for me. And I said, would you pray that God will give me victory in this matter of overcoming the destructive effects of anger? Uh, You know, there's something about the prayer of people, uh, the power of people praying for you. It changed my life. So today, if you're struggling with anger, man, I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you by name? Shoot me a text, 252-267-2365, and say, Now, Pastor, pray that I'll have victory over anger. That's all you have to do. Pray I'll have victory over anger. 252-267-2365, and I will pray for you personally. I'll pray for you by name if you give me your name. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.